a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Okay, I want you to think back to where you were on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, just after 8 o'clock. And imagine if you had been on Interstate 215 near 3500 South. Apparently, someone who was stopped by the UHP was three times the alcohol level going 104 miles per hour. Sergeant David Moreno was not only there, he was uh, the one who diffused the situation. Sergeant, thank you for joining us the, uh, this afternoon here at KSL. Oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Can you describe what, what unfolded, what you were doing, and how this came to your attention, and walk us through the process? You know, I was just there stationary in the media because last week we had a fatality at that specific spot where a, a lady lost her life. She went off the road and she collided head on against the wall. And then uh, I remember, you know, being there on scene and just uh, that feeling of just having a fatality right there. And I just, and then after that, I, I went over to the house and, and notified the loved ones that she was not going to be coming home. So I had that pretty fresh in my mind. So I went back to that same spot the, the following weekend, and that's where I were. That's where I was, and that's when I decided just to focus on speed enforcement and just trying to reduce crashes, and hopefully people could see me and reduce their speed. So that's why I was there. It's uh, amazing how effective that is <laughs> when you're driving along the freeway, hopefully within an acceptable range. But whenever I see a law enforcement officer on the side of the road, I always just examine, OK, what am I doing? Am I driving safely? Am I out, at a proper speed limit? And it, it makes a huge, then, yeah, huge difference. That you look at the speedometer, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what happened with this case right after eight o'clock in the morning? So I'm there and I'm clocking vehicles and I see a vehicle, a, a 2019 Toyota Tacoma, going way too fast. And I and I used my laser gun and I pointed at my laser at the vehicle and I came back with a rating of 105. Wow. And I thought, oh my goodness, 105, that's, that's pretty fast. So I did it again, you know, to see that my radar was working just fine. And that's when I, you know, I got the 104 and that's when I locked it at 104. Wow. So I went out vehicle and, um, and I made a traffic stop. He actually took the exit right there by the Maverick Center 36 South and just made a right turn to go southbound on 2200 West. And wow. um, he pulled into a parking lot right in there, and that's where I conducted my traffic stop. What, was he in any way trying to avoid you, uh, Sergeant, or was he being compliant? 
Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I I think he he might have been too drunk to notice me right away. But at the end, uh, I think when he came to a stop, he he knew I was behind him. Uh, when he pulled into the hotel, he obviously knew I was there behind him. So. Right, right. So, d- did you approach his vehicle immediately? How does that work? Because you never know what you're walking into. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. But yeah, I walked up to his vehicle, and as soon as I walked to the driver's side door, you know, you can smell the. I smelled it immediately. Smell the alcohol coming from his breast, from his vehicle, from his person. It was just so overwhelming. It was. I, I was just in shock. Wow. So what happens at that point? You've got him. Uh, he's he's pulled over for whatever reason. You are are talking with him. What what is the procedure? What happens then? Well, I got to let him know why I pulled him over. So I explained to him right away that he was that I had him on hundred and five, and he he was apologetic. Obviously, uh, he knew he was going that fast, and and he he stated that he was just being reckless. But then as he's talking to me, I you know he's. He's trying not to talk to me. He's looking away from me, and that's a sign that he might be hiding something. So, uh, you know, I, I confronted him about that and, and the odor of alcohol, and, and at first he denied it, but then he finally just gave up on it and, and told me he had been drinking. Yeah, and when you... And when you the, the field sobriety test, how, how does that work? And were you able to determine that what was it, 1.7, uh, yeah, it was 0.176 alcohol level? Was that done in the field? Uh, no, we actually took him to the office. He actually refused to blow into our portable, you know, breathalyzers that we carry in our vehicles that we use. They're called PVTs. Uh, he didn't want to blow into it. But we did the, the HCN test, the eye test, the walk and turn, and the one leg stand, and, and he failed those tests. And based on those three tests, we determined that he was impaired. Even though we didn't know how impaired he was, we didn't know that he was at 176 at the time until we got to the office. We knew he was definitely impaired. Wow. Was he slurring his words? Was it obvious in that regard? It was. He was. Yeah, he was. He wanted to keep on doing the test because he failed and he just figured that if he tried him again, he could pass him. Yeah. So he was asking for other chances for us to let him do it do it again. Well, you wonder what what might have happened had you not been there at that time. Was somebody three times the legal limit, actually better than, than three times, and yeah. you, you, you look at at what could have happened to him and to others that that's one of my greatest fears and especially when i'm out on some two-lane highway you know coming home from eureka on the west side of utah lake or something sometimes i'll look at those headlights ahead of me and i just go boy i hope that person's paying attention i hope they're not drunk that is a scary thought yeah because you're you know you're out there driving and and you're sharing the road with other people and just don't know who's next to you and and what kind of condition they're driving in so yeah it's scary I mean, this guy was driving on I-15, and he drove on 215 and uh, drove along a lot of people, yeah. asked a lot of people. Wow. And, uh, I just, I was just grateful that I was there. I hope they would stop him before he killed himself or killed somebody else. Boy, absolutely. And I understand, too, kind of the icing on an already lousy cake is that he had a, a, a total restriction on his uh, license for no alcohol content at all because of something previously. Yes, he's been arrested a couple of times for DUI in the past. So one of his restrictions is alcohol. He's not supposed to be driving with any amount 
of our corner system, and he obviously violated that. You know, sometimes uh, you'll look at those billboards and it said, you know, drive under the alcohol, uh, under the influence and, you know, you blow $10,000. What's going to happen to this guy, Sergeant? Well, he didn't want to go to jail. He just wanted me to let him go home. I mean, <laughs> he kept asking me to just to let him go home. And obviously, uh, he didn't want to be punished. And I told him that he didn't go to jail that day for for risking his life and the, the life of other people. So he got booked. He's going to lose his license again, and he's going to have to go to court. I mean, we're going to have to go to court on this, and and hopefully we can get a, a conviction on him so he can learn and not do it again. I mean, we're hoping that this will be the end. Yeah. Uh, or maybe he needs he needs help. Maybe he needs to go to rehab. Or yeah. you know, we just don't know what yeah. he's going through. But he he definitely jeopardized the lives of many many people that day. That's right, for his sake and all of our sakes, and. Uh, Sergeant, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. I think it's important to hear these stories and to realize just how risky this behavior is, how it does endanger everybody. And thank you for your service. Thank you for the great work you do at the UHP. Oh, no, thank you for having me, and thank you for bringing awareness to this issue. Sergeant David Moreno with us here at KSL News Radio, driving point one seven six. This individual uh, was going. 104. Actually, Sergeant Marino said he clocked him at 105 miles an hour. Unbelievable. All right, we'll take a, a brief break, and when we come back, my representative in the state legislature, Carol Speckman Moss, will be uh, joining us. She is the minority whip, and we'll talk about some of the legislation that uh, Utah Democrats are proposing for this upcoming legislative season. Stay with us.